Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Nicole. And I'm Gina. And today, we are dishing about sex. Uh, (laughs) So if you have little ones around or um, any delicate ears, now's the time to put them down for a nap or give them a good book to read, uh, put in those uh, AirPods. But don't worry, you've got time because first we're catching up. Gina, what what is new and exciting? Oh, yes. So exciting. All right. So let's start with swim lessons. I was so excited to get Paige into swim lessons before summer starts because I really want her to be able to jump into the deep bend and kind of swim to the side on her own. So I'm not worried about her when we go to the pool. And I know I mentioned it on the last episode. I was all excited, brought her on Friday just to kind of make sure that I felt comfortable with how it all was. They had assured me that the that the swim coach would be wearing a mask. I get there I only see one swim coach wearing a mask. So I say, okay, well, can I make sure to have a a coach that's wearing a mask? And they said, oh, it's his decision whether or not he wears a mask. And and this is what they said verbatim, Nicole. I'm not even kidding. This is what they said. They said, but you don't have to worry about it because, you know, the COVID virus kind of bounces off the chlorine. And so, you know, it's not really a a threat. Mm. Bounces off. I mean, I literally, like, I I almost laughed out loud in her face. I could not... (laughs) I can understand maybe, obviously, people who are swimming laps for a workout. I don't think that that's concerning because you. I don't think that, that COVID actually does survive in chlorine water. But she's having a private lesson with someone who's talking to her face to face, probably standing over her when she's trying to like lay on her back, you know, and do whatever on her back. No, I was stupid, though, and let her. I, I, I was kind of speechless. So he told me he didn't wear a mask. I'm like, OK. And then I was like, has anyone ever asked you to wear a mask? He's like, no, you're the first one. <laughs> I was wow. floored. So anyway, after the half hour swim lesson, I went home and I'm like, what? What did I just do? Like, that was so dumb. So I called to try to speak to someone. No one answered. It was Friday late. I hopefully they'll let me get my money back or make him wear a mask. But I don't want him to, you know to be mad at me for the next three months because I'm making him wear a mask. It's very awkward. Yeah, sure. Anyway, more on that to come. Uh, Let's see. I also, I didn't talk about this, but I, I've been having some, it's, I forget what the stratoria or I'm not even really sure what the muscle is. It's the chest muscle. I'm very bad at at anatomy, but I've been having pain starting, I would say around Christmas. And I think it was induced a little bit by stress. It almost felt like I was having chest pain, but it turns out it was just the muscle or I'm sorry, is it the muscle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was muscle tightening around my chest, but my, my entire chest, but not from like a, a bad heart, okay? Um, so I've been getting, starting a couple of weeks ago, I've, I've decided to start getting monthly massages where they're kind of helping with my trigger points around that muscle. And I got my first one a couple of weeks ago and it felt marvelous. And honestly, it has already made a difference. I also got a new pillow because our pillow, I think, was too thick a really, really flat pillow. So just another wellness goal for me going into 2021 is really to pay attention to my body. And if I feel like something is wrong to fix it. I also got Nick a uh, four massages at this place. It's a therapeutic massage place that's near our house. It's not just like, you know, massage envy. It's a therapeutic massage. They work with your trigger points. He also has a really bad back. And so I got that for him for Christmas. So hopefully he'll work on that. And 
when this is coming out, I'll be 38. Uh, I know this is coming out a day after my 38th birthday. Cameron's birthday is next. That's really it. I'm trying to think of what to get him. He's for something that's fun to play outside. So if anyone has ideas, I am all ears. I'm really, I'm done with more with toys for the inside. I'm already looking to spring and summer. So ideas, I'm ready. Hmm. What about you, Nicole? What's going on? I think I forgot to share this on an episode or two ago, but I did get my first, well, probably not that long ago then. I had my first COVID vaccine. And by the time this comes out, I will have had my second. Um, and I just, yeah, I posted a selfie like a lot of people. And um, just, you know, we're talking about masks, but just just to clear up some confusion because I'd, I'd just be remiss with our platform not to address it because there was some comments on my post that just showed that people were misinformed about vaccines. Um, or the COVID vaccine specifically. And I'm, I'm sure you know this, Sheena, and most of our listeners, but the COVID vaccine protects the individual who's vaccinated. It does not protect them from giving the vaccine, giving the virus to others. Yeah. And it's a 95%, you know, um, kind of <laughs> effectiveness. It's it's not a guarantee. So anyway, the right. idea being that more people, that we need the bulk of people to get vaccinated for it to be truly, truly effective and to kind of get into this post-pandemic place. So anyway, I just mm-hmm. wanted to dispel that myth because people are like, well, if you got vaccinated, why? Oh, and also that it's a week to 10 days after your second vaccine that you reach that kind of like peak of, um, I won't say immunity, but protectiveness. Um, so there's just a lot of misinformation out there around the vaccine. So just a little heads up there. I had absolutely zero side effects uh, from the first vaccine. I have heard that if more people get side effects with the second vaccine. So we'll see. I'm happy to report back. So what were people asking you why you were still wearing a mask or what was the controversy? Yeah. I mean, basically like, well, if you were vaccinated, then why are you wearing a mask still? You know, like, you you know, just that type of thing. Um, (laughs) You still have to. People don't know you were vaccinated. I mean, you're not going to walk around and have a sign that says I was vaccinated. Don't worry. I don't need to wear a mask. Right. And that's one reason. And what you just said. Right. I, I, and the person said, well, I had no idea. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, cool. But now you do. And yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those things that we just, you can't like go firing off that kind of stuff when you're, when you're misinformed. So yeah. anyway, so you can still get COVID. You can still get it. You just won't have the side effects. Mm-hmm. It won't affect you. You can still get it and therefore still spread it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and okay, this, this is uh, putting you on the spot a little bit. I got an email and this is how it always goes at work Uh that one of the news stations reaches out, which our major news station is in South Bend, Indiana, reaches out about an hour before they need um, to be interviewing somebody on you name the topic. And if it's nutrition related, health related, I'll often get like an urgent email in my inbox. So it just so happened that I got one on dry January and speaking to that, Mm -hmm. uh, over zoom, of course. And I was it was just an interesting experience. And and the the quote that they pulled from me, it was fine. Mm-hmm. But I was interested, Gina, in your thoughts on dry January, because this is a big yeah. thing and we're we're coming out of January here. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, I can I can completely understand dry January if maybe you think you overdid it over the holidays and you kind of want to see if you're able to quit for a month. I respect that. I would never do it because I drink so little anyway. And I, I feel like I have my drinking under control. I have no desire to give it up for 30 days. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't. I know I could do it if I wanted to, but but I, I don't want to. But more mm-hmm. power to the people who do. Plus, again, I think of January, it's 
my birthday. Not that I have to have alcohol to celebrate, but I would prefer it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Nick's birthday. It's, you know, we've got a lot going on in January. It's just not, not something that I, that I would want to do. Yeah. And I, I had a similar spin, you know, their specific question was like, is there health benefit from giving it up for 30 days? And it's like, <laughs> Well, I mean, marginally, but you know, the body's going to look at averages. If you're hitting it hard the other 11 months out of the year, I mean, no. no. Okay. I, it was just a very loaded question. And I I, I hate when they do that to dietitians because yes. it just feels like they're setting you up for, for failure or for somebody mm-hmm. to just pick apart what you just said. Yeah. Um, that said, you know, alcohol doesn't have any nutritive benefits like any other food, you know? So if anything's going to go in your diet and you want it to be alcohol, great. Um, I just thought it was interesting, but yeah, I, I didn't, I, I remained pretty Switzerland on my responses. Um, but I just, I was curious to know yours. Uh, this weekend, we actually had some stuff going on. A local hotel converted, I think like 13 of their hotel rooms into private dining suites. So That's for, so cool. yeah, for like a small amount of money, you could reserve the room up to six people. We just had four, um, us and a couple that we've seen through throughout COVID. And it was just a lot of fun. I felt terrible for the wait staff going up and down elevators and stairs. And I mean, by the time you ordered anything, it it was a solid 20 to 30 minutes to get back up to your room. But it was fine. Like it was a relaxing evening. They, you know, they took the bed out of the room. It was just a very unique, um, I thought, creative COVID idea. Yeah. And uh, just reporting back on <laughs> the after the last episode, I polled our Instagram uh, family on it, whether it's Tikka Masala, as I was pronouncing it, or Tikka Masala. And 89%, I think it was 89%, the overwhelming majority <laughs> said Tikka. <laughs> so thank you all for teaching me something. And Gina for calling me out. <laughs> all I had good. To. I had to. I know. <laughs> totally. As you should. Uh, so before we begin, just a quick favor to ask. If you're loving the show, please write us write us a review. Re- re- oh my gosh. Reviews on <laughs> iTunes are everything to us and really help us reach more people. So we'd appreciate it so, so much if you would just take a moment and do so. Um, so kind of diving into today's topic, we wanted to talk about sex. And Gina, this was all you. So, <laughs> um, But according to a sex therapist on today.com, uh, the quote is, Sex seems not only beneficial because of its physiological or hedonic effect, but because it promotes a stronger and more positive connection with the partner. And I mean, you don't argue with that, Gina. You would agree? Correct. Absolutely. And just a couple stats. These are from goodhousekeeping.com because I'm always curious about this type of thing. Most married couples have sex five times a month, so a little bit over once a week, 7.5% of married couples say they have sex daily. Mm-mm, they don't have kids. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 84% of couples say they have sex to get their husband to help with housework. I, I yeah, weird. I don't understand that one, but anyway, <laughs> continue. <laughs> do you do that? Uh, Are you part of that 84%? Okay. <laughs> No, not that formally. I no, okay. I'm not that manipulative about it. Um, sure. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't be like, okay, Mark, do some housework, and if he says no, be like, okay, I guess. Would you Would you like some sex, and then you'll do it? I mean, that you wouldn't say it out loud, but yes, maybe slyly and more um, subtly. You, yeah, you do that. some yeah. sub sub yeah, some subconscious like transactional like maybes. Yeah, I, but no, uh-huh. it's never that. 
blatant. Um, (laughs) Married women are twice as likely to orgasm. Okay. With less than half of women wanting regular sex after four years of marriage. And then 12% of all married couples haven't had sex for at least three months. That's bad. Yeah. So I I feel like there's a lot of extremes there. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, it seems like one. people are either having sex a lot or very infrequently. And perhaps if they are having sex, um, that it's with ulterior motives. Uh, just interesting. So we we acknowledge that sex is an important part of health and wellness, which is why today we are interviewing Jose Gonzalez. And without further ado, we will welcome him to the show. All right. We are here with Jose. But first, I have to tell the funny story of how this came to be. Uh, and so Gina got the bright idea and she's like, let's find a sex therapist for the show. And I was like, I don't know anyone. And she's like, we'll, we'll find one. I was like, all right. I mean, I did not. Yeah, no, actually, I think those were your exact words. And I was like, all right, well, Google can help. So Jose, your, your name was the first one to pop up. And so I, nice. I blasted off an email and I was like, hey, okay, we have this podcast and would you be interested? And you responded and you were like, you were in. I was like, awesome. And then I got to looking at your picture and I'm like, that dude looks awfully familiar. <laughs> and as Gina reviewed in a recent show, we we live in the middle of nowhere, she likes to say. Right. I mean, there's yeah. it's like, you know, we have indoor plumbing and all these things. Like she, she we got him like last week in Gina's mind. And uh, so then I'm like, wait, his son goes to school or went to school with my girls and his wife works in my building and I see their adorable family eating lunch. Well, pre-COVID, right? I see their adorable family eating lunch like all the time in my building. I was like, Gina, this is crazy. So I'm telling my best friend about it. And she's like, well, are you still going to have him on the show? I was like, well, yeah. She's like, you have no shame, Nicole. I'm like, no. And then (laughs) I don't, but it's just so funny that like... You're the name that popped right. up. Even so. better, yeah. And Levi loved their girls. He was always talking about Shane Piper. Shane Piper, Shane oh Piper. Gosh. So that was like hilarious. <laughs> the world is a small, small place. Uh-huh. So thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Yeah, if I'm you excited. would, kind of start us off a little bit about you, your background, <clears throat> and your practice. Yeah, so I'm a mental health counselor. Um, I've been uh, practicing. I've been doing counseling since 2012. That's when I finished my master's in clinical mental health counseling. But then I also, um, in the last two years, there's this program at the University of Michigan through the School of Social Work. It's a sexual health certificate program. So it's like a year long um, program. They have online classes and a few in-person classes. And I finished that in 2018, I believe, 2019. So it's been about two years doing that. And my mentor is the one that got me into it. He's my boss now, Dr. Hinman. Um, that's where I work. I work in at a private practice in Berrien Springs. Um, and he is also a sex therapist. So that's how I got into it. Um, I'm also married. I maybe should have led with that, but <laughs> married, been married for 10 years. You know, my, my kid, Levi, mm-hmm. but I have two now, four-year-old Levi, and then he's turning five in March. And then a, a one-year-old, she'll be two in February. Ariana is her name. Um, yeah, we've been married for 10 years, which is insane, but um, yeah. So, so Brad told me about the sexual therapy program. He was teaching a class at the university and, um, I just got hooked on it after I took his class. I was like, Whoa, this is great. Like I, I already had the, like 
the propensity to, to make people uncomfortable. So this was just more, <laughs> this was just more, you know, fuel to like, oh, did you know that, you know, I don't know, uh-huh. that most women don't orgasm or whatever, you know, just uh-huh. having people feel uncomfortable. Um, and also just the idea of, I mean, that's kind of weird, but just the, also the idea that people were coming to me with uncomfortable conversations, which already was a thing with counseling, but mm-hmm. even a step further with sex therapy issues or just sex issues in general that people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. So that really drove me like um, to continue doing it. And also the shock value, of course, because that's fun. But <laughs> <laughs> Is it true that most women don't orgasm? Well, well, that what I was the stat I was thinking about was um women that orgasm through vaginal penetration alone is only like thirty percent or something like wow, that. Wow. Yeah. Really? Okay. That's the stat that I was thinking about. But. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Wow, I'm already intrigued. We're there. Yeah, there We're in. We're gonna hook you guys. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So before we get too far into this interview, can you define sex in terms of how you counsel clients? So in other words, what constitutes sex when it comes to sexual int- intimacy with a partner in your right. mind, like when you're doing consultations? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the broader thing of sexuality is just like how anyone expresses their their sexual their sexual being. So whether it's you know sexual orientation, fantasies, pleasure, that's kind of the broader sexuality thing. But then the within when I talk to clients a lot is the idea of sex versus intercourse. So when we think about sex, I feel like the thought is we think about intercourse, like mm-hmm. only, but the, the whole concept of sexual behavior is everything from intercourse, foreplay, fantasies, you know, stimulation, intimacy, um, any of that stuff. So that's like, I mean, I have a lot of that type of conversation because I think most people have that narrow view of sex begins with, intercourse and ends with orgasm and that's it you know that's that's sex but Mm -hmm. um you know it's broader into sexual all sexual behaviors so interesting so why would you say sex is so important in a relationship or for some couples is sex not really all that important as long as intimacy is showing up in other ways in their relationship yeah i mean i think um like the frequency of sex can be different. I think it, it, it is a way of building intimacy, you know, and uh, promotes, promotes stress relief, um, pleasure. I mean, I think pleasure is something that isn't often focused on, you know, I think in the program that was a big part of the conversation was, you know, how can you obtain pleasure? You know, oftentimes sex is, whether it's for procreation, which in fact is like, less than 1% of the sex that you have is to actual actually make a baby, you know, but that's such a like <laughs> focused thing, you know, or whether it's just doing it because I have to for my other partner, but I feel, I really like, I really feel like pleasure is not emphasized as much. So obviously it could create pleasure. Um, self-esteem can boost people's self-esteem strengthens the relationship, strengthens love. I mean, and, I mean, I've noticed in my own personal life where there'll be t- times where um, me and my wife aren't clicking, you know, and then it's like, well, this is something's going on. And then we have sex and it's like, oh, that's what it, that's what yeah. it was that we weren't <laughs> clicking on. You know what I mean? It's, it's just so interesting how that that changes. Uh, but definitely reconnecting. Yeah. So 
It's interesting mm-hmm. you say that about procreation because my husband would say he did not appreciate baby sex. That's what we called it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like the fantasy, right? Sure. It's like, oh, my wife just texted me and she wants to meet me at home in yeah. 20 minutes for a quickie over lunch. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it happened once and it was for one reason only. And he, I mean, he like did not value at all like the baby making. Yeah. So he's like, I feel used. I was like, isn't that right. like what guys want? I mean, and that's right, not fair. Right. I, I'm way oversimplifying, but he was like, sure. that's not what this guy wants, at least. Like, I feel very like sure. used. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's interesting. I mean, that's something I talk about with my clients too. Like the ideas that that men, so I, I also specialize in men with out of control sexual behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the main thing that I work with, but couples as well. Mm. Um, but I'll say it so many times, like men will think they want sex when they, in actuality, they want something else or they want intimacy or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but there's this preconceived notion that men should just want sex all the time or never mm-hmm. say no or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's so interesting how oftentimes it's something else, you know, intimacy usually is what it is, but especially in the case of men without a control sexual behavior, they're using sex to fill a a gap or a hole that's that's empty because of something else you know it's just interesting yeah that you say that but yeah there's that that baby sex is definitely um a different vibe (laughs) did you guys have that same thing yeah (laughs) yeah say again did you guys have that same like you both have children yeah oh for sure yeah yeah it was just like monotonous and (laughs) and like (laughs) the pressure of it you know because you're like we're doing this for and and also for us, it took a little bit to get pregnant. I think yep. all told it was like a year or so, you know, so definitely after a certain amount of time, we're just like, okay, this is just, just routine. Like this is not like pleasurable anymore or not pleasurable, yeah. but enjoyable, you know? No, it was not pleasurable. Not for the female, mm-hmm. at least. Of course, for the male, it right. had to be in order for I mean, that to you, happen. You, and, right? Right. <laughs> Typically, you're going to have the orgasm as the guy. Like that's the lucky part, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Was yeah, it- but it was... Nick it was a lot it? of pressure. No, no, no. He did not like it. Because I would, oh. you know, say, oh, you know, I, I would uh, I would uh, look at my, you know, ovulation stick. I'm ovulating. Come on, let's do it. And he's just like, oh, my gosh. I think he just put so much pressure on him. Right. Even as a female, I feel sometimes pressure to have an orgasm and therefore I can't have it. So mm-hmm. I can understand. Right. Oh, of course. You, you get in your head mm-hmm. so much. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he did not enjoy that. I mean, he did, but he didn't. The same, you know. Right. I mean, he orgasmed, but maybe, of course, you know, they didn't understand. We have two kids, yes. <laughs> right, right. Of course, it worked eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So moving on, um, I would certainly love to be a fly on the wall for some of your consultations. Can you tell us what the most common sex concerns mm-hmm. clients come to you with, whether it's couples or individuals? I guess I would say, what do couples most commonly come to you right. with? What concerns? Yeah, I mean, the biggest it's, is the, the desire discrepancy is what we call it. So, you know, man, the man wanting um, stereotypically, because mm-hmm. it's not always that way, but the husband typically wanting more sex and the wife not necessarily wanting that, you know. And again, I think it's it ends up being like couples end up not knowing what they really need or not being able to express it, you know, so maybe. The words that the guy is saying is, I want more sex, but in actuality, he wants more intimacy or he wants more connection or he wants more whatever, you know. And then maybe for the for the um, wife is the words are saying, no, I don't want sex that much. Like, but but what she's really saying is I want a different kind of sex or I want a different kind of context 
to allow me to have sex, you know what I mean? Or allow sex to be better, you know, but it ends up being, I want more and no, I don't want more or I, I want less or whatever, you know? So that, yeah, that's an interesting, like push and pull that we, that happens in, in counseling. <clears throat> yeah. What do you call that? A des- desire discrepancy? <clears throat> desire discrepancy. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Desiring sex. I think that's probably pretty consistent with our like mm-hmm. listener population. So what's your advice for those couples? Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the, the first thing I wrote in my notes was negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. Like that's huge. You know, um, whether it's like, like how often do you want to have sex, you know? And like the, the, what, what's, what are you okay with? You know? So maybe for the man is, he would love to have sex every day. You know, is that realistic necessarily? And is that something that the the wife is wanting to do, you know? So, but what's that middle ground? Um, again, it's, it's interesting how people get stuck. Like, like, at least in my experience and people that come to my the center or whatever, um, like, it's like some, almost like, I want more, I want sex every day for the guy, for example, and that's it, you know, or for the the women, no, I don't want sex every day. And that's it. Like they tend to get stuck in their own idea or their own like apprehension or defensiveness about the topic, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to getting them to come to the middle and say, okay, what is enough? Like it's two times a week. Okay. For you, for, for both of you, you know, how are you initiating the sex? And are you okay with that? You know, is, is um, what are you what are you doing as a husband to improve the context? Like the thing that we always say is like, if you want to have sex to the to our guys at least, if you want to have sex at seven p.m., you have to start at seven a.m. Or if you want to have mm-hmm. sex at 10, 8, 10 p.m., you have to start at ten a.m. <laughs> you know, that building so that true. like connection. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to hey, let's just have sex. Like no, you have to yes. allow your partner to have space to integrate. Okay, sex is happening into their brain, you know, yeah. beforehand, before the actual. Yeah. Um, kind of get them into it way before, rather than just saying, right. seven o'clock, all right, let's have sex. Yeah. Right. And right. And maybe it's, off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think, you know, I would say probably males have more of that spontaneous to, again, stereotypically, there's always yeah. exceptions, but men tend to have that spontaneous sexual desire more or quicker than females tend to you know what i mean not to say they don't but so it's knowing that that that's how your partner you know operates yeah and it, i mean and it, and it's also the big thing that comes out in my mind that this like when t- thinking about this is, is the the messages that we get from whether it's media movies pornography um, although pornography is not intended to be educational, but um, is is we get this like narrow view of like okay, both partners are wanting sex at the same time in the movies at least. Yes, <laughs> wanting exactly. sex at the same time, they're ready, which rarely is the case that both partners spontaneously have desire at the same time. You know, yeah. they're both physically ready. Like man has a erection and the woman is quote unquote wet. I mean that's like a big thing that's talked about, but. In actuality, um, there's studies that show that the general response, so for men, from the general response to their actual sexual arousal is about 50% of the time. So half of their erections are either are that they're aroused and desirous, and half of them is that they're not. It's just 
an erection, <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. And, and for women is actually 10%. So, so 10% of the time is their genitals respond, uh, match what they, they feel subjectively. You know what I mean? So there's this like, the, like the idea that a woman is ready if they're lubricated or if they're, something's happening in their genitals. That's not true. <laughs> you know, it's only 10% of the time that anyways, but, um, so that there's that. And then there's also the idea that sex is synchronous being that both partners finish at the same time, which is, I mean, I think it's about 40% of the time that it doesn't, it's not synchronous, you know? Oh, I would have guessed uh, way more than that. I would have guessed that. Yeah. I would have guessed like 60%, but it's, uh, you know, like 40% of the time, almost half. Okay. Um, And then again, then the whole like, women orgasming through penetration alone is only 30%. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the movies, you see all that, you know, <laughs> the it's perfect. Everyone's ready to go. And then the, they both orgasm, orgasm at the same time. And then the encounter's over, you know, but that's, it's just not realistic. Do you, okay. So for those who have different sex drives, do you, or mm-hmm. even if you have the same sex drive, do you recommend, especially for busy, I would say parents, mm-hmm. um, do you recommend scheduling sex mm-hmm. or no? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it could be a, oh, a tool that I think that yes. could be used. <laughs> is that what you do? Is that what you do, schedule? Well, I, I'm just relieved. I, well, okay, it's, good. It's, I mean, you already went there with our next question, which is basically yeah. like your number one. I mean, you're, you're, the couples that you're working with desire discrepancy. And then you said negotiate, which in my mm-hmm. mind usually leads to probably some type of a schedule. Like there, there has to be expectations mm-hmm. and goals yes. basically around that. Yep. And so I don't like Gina's mind went exactly where mine is like, I mean, that basically means like scheduled mm-hmm. sex or, mm-hmm. you know, some type of expectations around that. And so with me, you said men maybe crave more spontaneity. Is that it, does that scheduled sex? Is it less desirable for men then? Is that usually like just a difficult thing for them to work through? Or is that just kind of the nature of the beast in order for each partner to kind of get more of what they want from their sexual relationship? Right. I mean, I I find that well, it's. At least in my experience, it seems like it's it's resistance. Both partners are have been resistant. At least when I bring it up in session, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily notice a difference between men and women, um, which is interesting. But but yeah, I think it's again, it's it's negotiating. Okay, so say you want one encou- sexual encounter that week to be um, scheduled because you want that that amount of sex, but then one another encounter in the week can be spontaneous and you mm-hmm. you pick two days in the week where you can make a spontaneous thing and you don't have to necessarily decide on which day but then that's as a, as the person that wants it more that wants it more spontaneous then maybe it's their responsibility to initiate or or you know you you take turns initiating who who initiates that spontaneous sex you know I, there has to be some structure to it i feel like because obviously you're coming into my office and what you've been doing so far hasn't been working, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think there's ways to get both the spontane- spontaneity, but having in a structured way where you're prioritizing it, you know, you, you don't, you, it's, it's so funny. We don't do that with a lot of other things, whether like budget, for example, we don't just like, okay, here, we're just going to see if we, if we stay within our budget or we, if we don't, you know what I mean? You prioritize like, okay, I have this much for groceries or whatever. Um, and you've put some structure to it, but 
why why don't we do the same thing with sex? You know, if it's if it's something that's important to you in your relationship. So it's just interesting, you know. Yeah, I, I will I will say the spontaneity always scares me. Like I <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I'm one of those women, like I'm in bed, relaxed, reading my book. Uh-huh. I don't want to spontaneously have sex. I just right. I, I don't want to. <laughs> so I love what you said about the idea and I can do this too, sort of priming them like mm-hmm. starting in the mm-hmm. morning because that's so true. When Nick is like grabbing my butt or I don't know, doing mm-hmm. things to me mm-hmm. during the day, I get more into yeah. it. So by the time we get in bed, I'm like, okay, let's go. I right, love that. Right. I think that's really, really important. So maybe I can tell him that and then maybe I can start doing that too. So yeah, there you go. He can, he can listen right. to the podcast. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he won't, he won't, but... <laughs> Our, our spouses are not supportive in that way. They, they, pro, they provide parenting while we yeah. are, are recording. That's sure. their contribution to the show. <laughs> They're also on the podcast a couple of times. We yeah, gotta get right. to them. There we go. There we go. I like it. So I'm nosy and want to know how sure. often are some of the couples that you work with, like say in their 30s and 40s, how often are most couples having sex? With kids. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it tends to be, I don't know. I, I mean, this is just anecdotally, but. Um, it tends to be, I feel like at least weeks go by, if not months, with the couples that come into my office. Okay. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, I think overall the the amount, frequency of sex in like younger populations are, it's tends to be lower these days. I don't, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I, I don't have the exact statistic in front of me, but it's. I, I think I, I think I've read one to two times a week, just from what I've said, seen like yeah. on Google. But the people who are coming to your office are coming there because they have a problem. Right. So it does sure. it makes sense that they would let weeks and months go mm-hmm. by because mm-hmm. that's what would warrant a meeting with you, I would think. Right. Right. And then I mean, also taking into account some of the people that come in also have some of the dysfunction things, whether it's like delayed ejaculation or having trouble having um, an erection or mm-hmm. having pain during sex. Uh, for the females or male, either one, you know, so those kind of things, which, which cause more expectations, of course, when those things are happening, um, which then causes them not to want to have sex even less because then you have those physical things that are coming into play, you know, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So assuming there's no like, yeah, physical issues with sex, how, how would you what are some like just basic kind of top tips you would give to couples who are just looking to keep their sex life thriving as their relationship continues? Um, yeah, I mean, the scheduling thing is definitely a, a, a big one. Um, I think the, I'm trying to look at my, sorry. <laughs> the, um, just to keep things the, spicy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think part of it is also actually having conversations about sex, which is seems simple, but <laughs> it's not something that is happening enough where partners are talking about, you know, what are your fantasies or, or like, what do you, do you like, you know, what do you like when we have sex? Do you like it when I do that? You know, do you like it when I touch here? Do you like the pressure or whatever, you know, even just having conversations one, it, 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 I feel like it boosts the desire a bit, you know, if you're talking about it, but also you're, you're really tapping into what you guys like, you know, and what you don't like with that, because so much of, you know, so much of sex is unsaid, you know, at least in the moment. Mm -hmm. And which is, it's interesting to me, like you're able to 
Brad, my my mentor, always says you're able to, you know, stick your penis inside of someone, but you're not able to talk about it. <laughs> <You know>? Like <laughs> it's just strange. so interesting. Yeah, yeah, you're able to get this this level of intimacy physically, but you're not able to talk about it or or talk about what you like and stuff. So that's a big one. That's interesting. Know? Okay, so this kind of reminds me. I yeah. feel like, what do you think about this? Do you think it's true that a lot of, maybe not a lot of men, but there are definitely men out there. I can actually think of one that I know, actually a couple of them that I know, um, where maybe their girlfriend or partner is actually not enjoying sex, but they don't realize it. Uh, mm-hmm. So what would, if, if your partner thinks, if they think, hmm, I guess what am I trying to say mm-hmm. here? What would spark that conversation? Would that be the woman's responsibility to finally say something? Like, hey, you know, I'm actually not enjoying this, even if it's after a long time. Yeah, I mean, I've had, I've, I don't know, if, I can't remember if it was my client or Brad's client, but I had, I think it was Brad's client, but there was a client where I think she went uh, something like 10 years without telling her partner that she was an orgasming or something. Oh to my that gosh. Effect. I don't know, you know, it's, even. again, it's, yeah, it's happens where there's so much unspoken, you know, whether that's, a conversation that needs to happen in the therapy room, you know, where there mm-hmm. may be, there's, there's, that would make both partners feel more safe. Cause that, that's kind of a big thing. Um, but I, I think it's on both partners to, you know, make talking about our priority, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if that answers the question, but no, it does. You know, I, I wouldn't put it on sure one or the other. Yeah. 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 But it does happen where, where they're not, it's, it takes a while to talk about those things, you know? Yeah. yeah so kind of um, adding to that, to that question, and, and I know you brought it up earlier, but what about porn? I know, mm-hmm. I, I know that some of our listeners, including myself, I would like to know what a therapist's view on porn would be. So does it hurt mm-hmm. um, the relationship or perhaps help in some ways? Uh, kind of mm-hmm. talking about what you were just saying, might, might it actually be a good thing in some ways to talk about what you like and don't like, or to learn what you like and don't like. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts on porn? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, I mean, this is like the counselor answer in me, of course, but it depends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. It depends on the context. I think there's couples that are watching porn together and they feel that, that it enhances their sex life or enhances their relationship. I don't get those couples because I specialize in men without a control sexual behavior. So which yeah. one of those is porn for sure. Um, so at that point it's, it's a, it's a problem for them, but I do think in some cases it is, it can enhance the relationship if both partners are consenting to it. And if both, and as both partners are open with it, um, where I think where it becomes an issue is the secretive secret secrecy part of it, you know, where, or shame, secrecy and shame are the big things that I talk about with guys like, um, that say that they're addicted to pornography, like it's a addiction that lives in secrecy and shame and make you feel like you're a terrible person and stuff. Um, so, and also if, if the partner is using it as in a maladaptive in a coping way in a cope as a maladaptive coping skill in a way that's not a healthy coping skill, you know, whether it's like to numb feelings or to, um, get a false sense of intimacy or whatever. I mean, that's something I talk about with the guys that come in. It's, it's typically deeper. There's a deeper underlying reason of why you're using what you're using. For you, it it, it tends 
you've used porn as that bad coping skill, but in my mind, it's no different than someone using alcohol mm-hmm. as as something to replace, or someone using shop shopping shopaholic, you know, shopping online as a you're using this in a way that wasn't intended in a way that's that's not healthy. But. Do you think that access to porn has created a bigger issue around it? I mean, it just seems like mm-hmm. it's so easy to access now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it definitely in in guys that struggle with it, it's it makes it so easy accessibility and and anonymity. You know, that's a another driver of of that because um, years ago you've had, you had to go into a store and and show your face in person <laughs> and get a magazine or whatever, get a video. You know, now it's literally three seconds on your phone. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, I, and I think, ahead, no, I was just going to say, just kind of going back to what you were saying about the movies, it's, it's that times a hundred. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, these young right. boys are growing up watching porn because they have access to it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they think that this is how it should be. And right. then they get with the woman and it's nothing like that. And they right. think they've been right. duped. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Right. I, right. And they have <laughs> these expectations of what they, what the partner should do or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, but it's, I think part of the issue is like, I mean, one is we don't talk about sex in society nearly enough, you know, but it's also like porn literacy is a term. Um, We talk about like knowing that porn wasn't intended to be educational and even creators of pornography will tell you that it was, that's not the intent. Intent is entertainment, you know, or it's not meant to be realistic. It's not, it's not, that's not the, the idea. Um, but so many people take that are edu- so many people are educated by pornography, whether they're because they're not able to talk about it with their families or whether that's, you know, I mean, I know that's a big thing. And that takes the place of, of sex education, you know, I think that's that's a huge part of it. Yeah. And similarly, I, you know, I think just yeah like Gina kind of like you said I mean the expectation like my body does not look like that mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> right, my right. body has changed a lot since having kids right, and right. I, I think I speak for a lot of women in saying I probably feel less sexy or comfortable being naked and mm-hmm. I guess what advice would you offer to couples who may be struggling with self-confidence on either end as it relates to their intimacy because I know men struggle with the same mm-hmm. right right I mean I definitely think it's you know where each individual is in charge of their own pleasure, their own emotions, their own self-esteem, you know? So part of it, I think is each partner taking ownership of, of how they can improve themselves. Both. Not, I mean, I'm not like taking sides or anything. I think both partners, whether that's with, with counseling, individual counseling, or whether that's with things that you're doing throughout the day. Um, but then I feel like as a couple is, you know, a big thing I, I talk about is changing the paradigm of like it's more important to have satisfaction or pleasure or desire than to have arousal or like an orgasm, you know. So if you're so opening up the, the definition of what's a satisfying sexual experience, you know what I mean, is that just your cuddling and and um that that's what feel comfortable feels comfortable right now because i'm not i don't really want to be naked right now but was that satisfying 
okay, that can that can be satisfying within itself as you're working on those other individual things, you know. So again, it's that whole idea of like sex is not just orgasm or it's not just you know being naked or it's not just you know so much so many other things that you can also satisfy and be satisfied from and and give the space to be like that was a good interaction and we got closer after that interaction you know what i mean i don't know if i'm making sense but (laughs) so kind of push through and try and find what you are comfortable with and start with that is right right it's it's leveling the i mean uh uh exercise that i have couples um that's very common is um now i forgot the name of course (laughs) (laughs) um sensei focus so there, it's. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but you kind of level up the amount of sexual interaction you have. So, like level one is like just um, touching everything but genitals and exploring each other's body, but but you don't touch each other's general genitals, you know. And you do that for some time, and as you get comfortable, you integrate um, genitals without actual having um intercourse or without stimulating each other's genital but touching you know and then you level that up to to including the genitals and intercourse or whatever but um it's kind of a slow build up so i i use it with couples that you know have have sexual dysfunction where you're kind of relearning each other you know or as an exercise to start to fine tune what you like physically and and what your partner, what you like your partner to do to you and stuff like that, you know? So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, it's like going at the pace that, that you're comfortable with or that, that the person that is having the issue is com- most comfortable with, you know? Like starting with a clean slate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, I think taking a very basic answer to that question though, I know for me, what has helped mm-hmm. is, actually, you know, going out and buying lingerie that I feel sexy mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's a very basic, I mean, I don't have sure. a lot of problems in that. So I think some women are just, they don't feel, there are some who feel completely dissatisfied and they don't even want to have their partner see them naked at all. I mean, I, I've, mm-hmm. I've met those people, um, mm-hmm. even their partner who they've been with for a while. And so maybe that would warrant, uh, you know, a meeting with someone like you, Jose. But I think right, right. I, I would say that probably the majority of our listeners, this is just a speculation here, sure. are just, you know, just self-conscious enough where j- even just going out and getting some new lingerie or some new underwear and bras would just make them feel a little bit sexier. And ones mm-hmm, that look mm-hmm. good on them, feel good on them, fit well. Um, I've had this experience lately and I will say it worked for me very, very well. <laughs> yeah. I... Yeah. So there's some parts about my yeah. body that I just don't feel comfortable with, sure. especially around my husband uh-huh. and, and, uh, not enough where it really affects our relationship, but you know, it's still, right. it, it has helped me finding things that actually fit and make me feel good. Um, right. Right. In them. So I think, that right. And it's, it, it, it's like honoring, it's honoring that experience for you because I think it's okay that that's happening for you. And you know, the more that we think that it's not okay or that it's, anxiety provoking or all oh, this sucks the more intense that feeling is gonna be you know what i mean yeah. but if you're exactly. shifting that paradigm of like this is what this is what it is whether it's right now or or it's gonna change in the future whatever like this is me at this point like let me let me accommodate that and do what i can to make myself feel good despite having discomfort 
or whatever around my body. You know what I mean? It's just like a different like mindset. Mm -hmm. The same with like desire. I think with sexual desire, like not all women are built the same and, and it's okay. And that's okay for each individual person. Some, some women have a strong sexual desire and can get going faster. Some women can't like, and that's okay. All of it is okay. It's just finding what works best for you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it. I mean, all very interesting. We've spent most of the discussion really around like how to make it work and improve the sexual relationship. But unfortunately, we know that infidelity can affect mm-hmm. a lot of relationships. And according to Dr. Google, uh, about 40% <laughs> uh, of marriages are at some point interrupted by infidelities. Any advice for moving on in bed after one person in the relationship or one partner strays? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough, that's a tough one. I mean, I think a lot of, I've, had a fair amount of clients that that that's why they come in um and it's it's such a hard thing to get over and to forgive you know i mean the 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 basic answer is getting to a place of genuine forgiveness but i mean i know that that's that's totally um difficult i think the one thing that struck me in one of the um classes that we took for the sexual health certificate program it was this idea that the concept, the an extramarital affair is the concept is the person looking for another self, ra- typically looking for another self rather than looking for another person. Mm. You know, so the idea that the the offend, quote unquote offending party is looking for something that they've lost or looking to fill something that they individually needed or thought they needed. Mm-hmm. You know. And it wasn't necessarily to look, look for someone else, you know, again, that's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can say that <laughs> and believing is a different thing, you know, because of course there's the feelings of like defensiveness and feelings of like, why was I not good enough for this person to, to stay in a relationship, you know, but most of the time it's, they're feeling something that has nothing to do with you necessarily, you know, but again, it's a hard, it's, even saying that, it's, it's hard to like integrate that. Yeah. Um, and that's probably something that comes out in a therapy session, right? So you can yeah, really get yeah, yeah, understanding yeah, sure. that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so then, you know, also is, is trying to find meaning from that, that affair, you know, it's comparing. So often there's the comparison of like, was that, was the sex in the extramarital affair better than the sex in the relationship but it's not a fair comparison like of course that of course extramarital sex is more exciting or whatever it's like Mm -hmm. that initial phase of relationship times 10 because it's secretive and whatever you know Mm -hmm. so but but how are you comparing sex the the real comparison is sex before the extramarital affair and sex after the extramarital affair you know how can you how can you take an have a positive outcome from that, you know, what are the, how can you improve your sex if, uh-huh. after the, the affair, you know, and creating meaning from it. So, so that's possible. <laughs> yeah, it is. It takes time. Yes, I'm sure it takes does. time. It definitely is. Though, you know? <laughs> Have you guys seen but the show hard. on Netflix called Black Mirror? Yes. Okay. It's, did you see the episode, <laughs> the episode where the guy has, is playing a, <clears throat> a video game and you can like, you can actually, Sorry. Yes. Like, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Where he is yep, actually goes into the video game and ends up yes. like 
having sex with a woman in with a his, video game who ends up being his friend on the other end. Yes. Yeah. 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 Who's yep. a male. I mean, it doesn't matter, but yeah. So, yes. That, I, 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 that. I don't know why so my mind went there, but <laughs> it is the weirdest, weirdest. I, I just remember thinking like his, his, I think his wife ended up being not okay with it, but eventually she allowed him yes. to like explore it like once a year or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm yeah, like, I but that. I do that. I don't know. And anyway, I don't right, know why right. I started thinking about it. No, that. I mean, but that's a, uh, that's, I think it's, it's a good point. Like I think, that's something another thing that maybe isn't often talked about in couples is like what what are those boundaries and what are those lines you know that are you being are you feeling satisfied and fulfilled sexually and what what both partners what do you need to feel that way you know Mm -hmm. and in some in some couples it's having a third party or being okay Mm -hmm. with having sex in in different areas but that's that's part of the marriage contract that you guys have agreed upon you know what i mean so I think not talking about that sometimes leads to the person trying to find something that they think they need outside of the marriage contract, you know. Well, and people change. I mean, if marriage yeah, is oh, forever, sure. that can be a long time. So mm-hmm. it's it's not static either because mm-hmm. I know Mark will right. say things like, you used to blah, fill in the blank. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and now we have two children. It's two right. years later. You know, I'm not yeah. the same person. Yeah. Like I've changed yeah. and. Right. Um, so that's I also used to sleep in. Yeah, before. exactly. <laughs> I never had hangovers, and yeah, I didn't have a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, okay, is it common for men to want it in the morning more than women do? I think <laughs> it's just I'm laughing because I was just talking to a couple of our friends about it. It seems to be again anecdotally, it seems to be a pretty common theme. I know I, I know it's something that I. I feel in the mornings quite often, you know, and yeah. my buddy that we were talking about too. Um, I don't know what the explanation off the top of my head. I think I'm sure there's an explanation for it, but yeah, I think, I think it's true. Okay. <laughs> we're going to just start like rapid firing yeah. all of our last yeah. minute sex questions. <laughs> right, 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 right. Wait, wait. I'm used to it. <laughs> okay. So here's, here's, the, here's our last question. I think it's an important mm-hmm. one, especially as we age and get closer, mm-hmm. I guess, Nicole and I'm speaking of women here getting closer to menopause or at least perimenopause, uh, which, mm-hmm. you know, can start around our age, actually. I know. Uh, oh, scary man. thought. So, <laughs> Is it a myth or is it actually true that you can continue to have good sex as you age? And I'm thinking really even post-menopause. So in mm-hmm, the 50s mm-hmm. or 60s, like, will we still be able to have good sex? Yes, 100%, million percent. <laughs> <laughs> it is possible and it should continue to happen. You okay. Know, that you guys you have sex. I think um, a stat I saw was 75% of people over 45 believe satisfying sex is important, you know, so people still feel that it's important and it yeah. should happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. I think the, you know, again, having that flexibility um, to know that it may not look the same, you know, or it may not mm-hmm. feel the same. Things may not work the same, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that does that mean that you can't have a satisfying experience? From it? Definitely not. So... Um, you can at least yeah. still be intimate and uh, right. whether it's uh, sexually or, or not, that, that, that is still possible. And, and when I asked that question, I mean, I think I knew the answer was, yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> I just needed to hear it from you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just like a confirmation. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, okay. And, and it, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Nicole. Uh, well, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. 
cut, cut, cut. Where it's my, it's, it's uh, Saturday morning. We're all caffeine. There you go. <laughs> exactly. No, the other, the other thing I was going to say is uh, that actually ha- focusing on emotional connection um, is more, is more important than, than other like physical things. A stat that I saw is uh, emotional connection is more of a predictor of sexual distress than is lubrication, orgasm, or arousal. You know, so it's more, there's more a link, a link of your emotional connection as to whether you're going to have emotional distress late, you know, in, in later life than the actual like orgasm, arousal, and lubrication. I mean, we talk about like post menopause and how it changes um, vaginal lubrication and, and then men with erections and stuff like that. It's really the emotional connection that's the important part of it, <laughs> you know, more than those yeah. things. Which that's the that tends to be the focus and the fear is the physical things. But interesting. I guess I can definitely uh, attest to that and, and agree with mm-hmm. that just from my own experience. I mm-hmm. don't deny that at all. Yeah. What were you going to say, Nicole? Well, it's it's just a I. This is just curiosity. When would you say? men kind of sexually are sexually peak as in like most interested in sex. And then what about women? Cause stereotypically we hear that women are a little bit later. Yeah, and I think, I think my that... husband's like still holding out hope. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's true though. I think the, I think women, it tends to be later. Um, and, and I think one of the studies, so AARP did a big, like, sex study and it's super interesting in older adults um and i think the satisfaction of women as they age either stayed constant or increased and and then for men the tendency for it was it for it to decrease both sexual desire and satisfaction or something like that but i think the what what women have going in their camp is that they have a broader you know sexual I forget the term, but they have a broader, like, idea of sex, or they have a broader, you know. So for men, it's like the focus is direction. So then, if that's not working, you know, then how can I have sex? Or or and it, I mean, or feeling like less of a man, you know. I understand those things. Whereas a female already has a little bit more of, of fluidity when it comes to sex and when it comes to sexual desire and stuff like that. So that's an interesting thing that I saw, but um, okay. yeah, I have one last, just random question. And this sure. is totally off. Love it. And I think we kind of already talked about it a little bit, but I, yeah. I am wondering, and I actually just had a conversation about this with a friend. Let's just say, let's just say a partner, the male, a male partner, mm-hmm. or I guess it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. But in this situation, it was a male, um, mm-hmm. wants to have sex, but the female does not, or the other partner does not. Would you say that it's probably best to just go ahead and do it? Because perhaps mm. if you don't do it, the other partner will just be mad at you for the rest of the day. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I have. Yeah. Would you suggest just going and doing it, even if you don't want to, or just saying, sorry, you know, not tonight, maybe tomorrow? Would, what would you suggest? Like, just yeah. based on what you've, you know, learned in your, you know, your studies. And yeah, your yeah. It's a, what is it? It's the best a definitely thing a fine line. I think it's definitely a fine line. I think there's definitely times where. You know, like the scheduling thing, like, do you always feel like having sex? No, but you should, you still should because it's building that intimate connection. And often, okay. most times you feel 
better afterwards, you know? Yes. Okay, it's like exercise. Bad, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like exercise. I don't want to do it. I don't do it. You never want to do like, it. That was amazing. Yeah, exactly. You never yeah. regret. Exercise. You never regret a workout. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, so I think that's huge. You know, I, I also think like there, it, it deserves to be examined if you're always feeling that way. And why are you feeling that way? You, you never feel like you, like you always feel like you're forced to, to do it, you know, I mean, then there's questions of like coercion, of course, if there's coercion happening and you feel like you have to do it, then that's a different issue. But, you know, I think it's definitely warrants examining what's going on. Like, why, why is that feeling there? You know, and is, is, is the husband in this case, is the husband doing, can be, cause the husband to be doing something different, you know, or is it what maybe the husband's doing everything right. And then, okay, maybe let's examine like why this feels like that to you you know was there trauma or are you you worried about performing or there's some sexual dysfunction something physical happening or mm-hmm. or the messages that you received about sex is, is their shame or something you know what i mean like delving into that you know yeah but there's do definitely you, times where you should you should push a little bit you know <laughs> Okay. Do, are you raising your children? I'm just wondering. I know I've had friends mm-hmm. in the past, or I've had friends who are still my friends, who grew up really not talking about sex at all. Mm-hmm. And then I've had friends who grew up in households where sex was talked about a lot, maybe in different in different ways, you know, at different ages, but it was right. generally not a taboo topic. I think in my family, it was kind of half and half. Like we didn't talk about mm-hmm. it a lot, but it mm-hmm. was never anything where it was like, oh my gosh, Gina, don't talk about that. I feel like that was helpful for me. I will say I never... I'm very, very thankful that my parents were relatively open uh, and willing mm-hmm. to talk about mm-hmm. that kind of stuff with me. Do you think that that yeah. is helpful as parents to do that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, the thing I always think about is like they're going to learn it somewhere. You know, if it's yeah. not you, it's it's their friends or if it's, or it's media or whatever. Why not? You know, in a lot of cases, correct what they learned or or give them actually mm-hmm. a healthy perspective of, of it. You know what I mean? I think. I think I err on the side of you should talk about it now. I mean, there's, you know, times where you probably can, you know, they don't, you need to be age appropriate and there's times they don't need to know everything, you know, Sure. and it's overwhelming for kids, but I tend to lead towards the side of, yeah, talk about it more, you know, I can remember actually, well, go ahead, Jose, you can finish. Oh, no, no. Sorry. I was also going to say that, that it's, it's, it's it's a continual process, you know, right. like yeah, as long as you're creating an open environment, you know, the, the quote unquote talk is never, it shouldn't be, in my opinion, just one talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's something that you have, you've created this environment where the kid can come to you and ask a question about it. Like, hey, I saw this or I heard this, like, what's this about? And then you can mm-hmm. talk about sex or talk about masturbation or whatever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I remember the first time I actually really learned about sex, though, I will say. So maybe my parents mm-hmm. ta- waited a little bit too long to actually talk yeah. about it with me. Uh, but it was in fourth grade. They basically separated the the girls and the boys. And they, actually, we were told that the boys were somewhere else talking about sports. I can remember this so vividly. <laughs> yeah. And we and the girls were all sitting and watching this cartoon video about sex. And I can still envision the sex like they showed us like a cartoon characters having yeah. sex. I can still see it so vividly. Did and you I was Catholic school. No, I didn't. No. I know you would think it does. It does sound. I don't know. 
I don't know if they still do it like this. I really hope they don't. And I, I also wonder if they had prepped my parents or all of our parents to let us know like when this was going to happen. Right. Because I would think if I would like to know, so I could kind of give my kids an introduction to what they're going to learn, you know, the following week, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I was very, very confused. Now I did just say my parents were relatively open about that kind of stuff. It Uh wasn't ever a taboo topic in our household. Like, Oh, you can't talk about that. But maybe they didn't talk about it with me enough because I was confused and scared. Let's just say that because it was also the talk. It was also the menstruation talk as well. Mm -hmm. So it was sex and menstruation in the same video. Yeah. And I was like, wait, I'm going to bleed. I mean, I was so confused. (laughs) Yeah. Very confusing. I (laughs) I was scarred for life. My story is so different. I went through sex ed and you know, you have to learn like the anatomy of the penis and the vagina. And my mom Mm -hmm. came in for the talk and um, I think she brought like some type of a um, visual with her. I don't remember, or maybe I was studying, but I just remember like identifying for her the ureter and the the urethra and the vast stuff. And she was like, okay, sounds like you have this under control. And she just like walked out and she still tells tells that story. She's like, yeah, I don't know what happened. (laughs) Wait, she came into like your room to talk about it or? Yeah. No, no, no. Oh God. (laughs) My room, like my bedroom when I was growing up. Oh my gosh. I thought thought she was like the guest lecturer or something. (laughs) And now Nicole's mom to teach you about the penis. <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah, I mean, I didn't learn. Yeah, my parents didn't. We barely, we didn't talk about it at all. I, I went to, um, the only thing I remember from sex ed was like going to in public school talking about, I think it was the gym teacher or something. And he, we, we, I think they they separated guys and girls. But the, I walked into the class and the, and the sex the gym teacher was had a a picture or a slide of like a, the vagina and he circled the clitoris like 10 times. And he's like, <laughs> guys, this is what, <laughs> this is what you have to focus on. That's literally the only thing I remember from my like sex education. I'm like, okay. That's oh cool. but, you know, he was right. But, yeah, he that. was right. I know. He, who knew that he was the one to start my process of uh, oh being a sex therapist. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I feel like we all know each other so well now. (laughs) If it weren't 1130 in the morning, I'd be like, it's time for a cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) Like a mimosa or something. Yeah. Gina, do you have any other questions or Jose, anything you forgot to add or just want listeners to know before we let you you move on with your weekend? No, no, not really. I mean, my biggest thing is having conversations. You know, you can't. You can't go wrong with having a conversation about sex, yeah, in my opinion. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I appreciate oh. you guys having me and sharing and stuff. No, Excited. thank you. I'm earning quite the reputation about being a creep on the internet and stalking people yes. down. But I, you know, for the, for the sake of the show, I'm, I have no shame. Right. I have no exactly. shame. Exactly. It's a fun story. And I just, you know, I look forward to COVID being over and being able to see you out in the wild again. But um, exactly. thank you yeah. so much. Is there a way, any way you want listeners to know how to contact you after the show? It sounds like you're doing virtual appointments too. So even if they're not local yeah. to Southwest Michigan, it sounds like they could get connected with you in your practice? Yeah. Our, our, our website is Hinman counseling services.com. Um, we also have like a Facebook and an Instagram, I believe. Um, and we're, yeah, we're, 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 we see individual clients, but we're, we both try to do as much, um, other things as we can, like my presentations or this podcast, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we'd love, we hope to like 
sometime in the future do some more sex education or um, like videos or whatever with with men without a control of sexual behavior because I, I think it's a it's a need both sex in general and men um, so that's what we're all about yeah check us out I love it uh, I will include all those links in the show notes uh, if anybody didn't catch them but thank you so much for coming on the thank show you. and we yeah, so appreciate you. it this was great Only 30% of women can orgasm with vaginal penetration alone. And we actually realized after the interview that we didn't really ask him for tips on on that. So those women, the 70% of women who can't orgasm, I mean, how the heck do they do it? What are some general tips? Which I think is a pretty important question. Uh, So he did respond via email. And here are some things that he suggested. The first one was foreplay, both physical and mental, making sure partners, both partners are ready and wanting the sexual encounter, uh, both with being aroused enough and also being in a good headspace to be sexual. So in other words, not overstressed, not overtired. And I also think feeling good about your body and kind of where you're at and not overthinking, you know, does my partner think I look sexy? I think sometimes for me, uh, at least in the past, uh, that I would get stuck in my head with those kind of thoughts. And I don't think that's helpful at all. Number two, he said using vibrators or other sex toys. Uh, Number three is masturbation. Exploring one's own body is a great way to determine what sensations you like and don't like. Then you can convey what you've learned to your partner. And then the last one was something I had never heard about. At least I don't think I have. It's called coital alignment technique. This position is a modified missionary position, and the aim is to stimulate both partners at the same time. This potentially will facilitate a synchronous experience. So I think if you're interested in that, you can probably Google it, but I've, I've, I'm, not, I'm not real familiar with that one. I wasn't yeah, either. Some, Google had lots. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's lots of pictures and, and great information on the internet. Yep. <laughs> Moving on. Did you want to say something else? No, I just texted you. So Jose was awesome. And um, you know, we, I told the story about how we met. And then I saw his wife. Um, we were grabbing lunch and I was like, hey. How's it going? Like, I wanted to be like, thanks for giving up your husband on a Saturday to talk sex class. Like, she, what a what a woman there. Um, so just yes, thanks to her, and it was just fun. I I love that we have no shame, and I'm glad we did this episode. Thanks, Gina. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, sex sex is a huge part of wellness, and I I think it's great that we're talking about it. Yeah. All right. So, favorite new products or mom wins. We got uh, the idea from uh, some family friends to do the Qdoba family meals. We did the yeah. chicken taco. Have you done this before? No. Um, not inexpensive, but also pretty reasonable since I mean, they give you, I mean, we got more meals out of it than what is advertised. But yeah, you get the chicken, get the beans, get the rice, and then kind of all the toppings to go with it with the tortillas. It was just a really good option that unfortunately the kids didn't like, but for I don't know why, but Mark and I loved it and we loved eating the leftovers. It was just a nice something other than like traditional takeout. Heck yeah. I thought for I'll have a to try that out. Yeah. What about you? So I made I texted you a while ago and I was like, just give me a simple, you know, one pot dish chili. And you pulled through. I will say we made your weeknight chicken chili. It was delicious. I would say even Nick ate it and he is not a huge like chili slash stew or soup fan. He would like to put this in our rotation. Nice. Yeah. So that was, that was definitely a hit. 
And and I think actually, I want to say Paige ate it too. I don't think that Cameron ate it, but not not a whole lot. I mean, she probably took a couple bites, but that is lately better. That's just, that's huge. <laughs> the bar for what kids will, it's just so low these days. You it really is. Our next choosy eater kind of, yeah, all of that episode should be very interesting. All right. Read a review. Um, love, love, love from Peds RDN. As a fellow pediatric dietitian, I love this podcast. It's informative, but also lighthearted. One of my favorite parts of my Sundays. Thank you so much. So nice. All right, everyone. Coming up on February 7th, we will be dishing about date nights in and what we do to spark romance when having a date night in. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, please be sure to leave us a review. We appreciate it so much and it only takes a few seconds. All right, until then, everyone, be well and Nicole will chat soon. Talk to you soon, Gina. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.